Good morning, First Baptist Church of China Grove. This is Pastor Chris O'Gwen coming to you electronically today. And it is Palm Sunday, the Sunday that historically we celebrate the coming of Jesus into Jerusalem the week before his crucifixion. And he came to quite a tumultuous group of people there who were shouting and laying down palms in his path, and thus we call it Palm Sunday. I'd like to read from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, were come to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell you the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, sitting upon a donkey, and the colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded, and they brought the donkey and put, him, uh, put them on them their clothes, and they set him thereupon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strewed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before them followed, crying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitudes said, This is Jesus the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. <clears throat> Let us pray. Lord, we ask your blessing this Sunday on believers everywhere. Lord, we pray in the midst of a crisis. We pray that the crisis will pass soon. That, Lord, you will remove this from our way. And, Lord, we reflect back upon that time in which you came to a city that misunderstood your intentions. Lord, may we not misunderstand your intentions. May we not be disillusioned by events as these people were disillusioned. And Lord, we remember that you are God and that we are not God ourselves. And sometimes things don't always follow the scripted way. But sometimes things follow in a different path that you've chosen. And Lord, we look to you for guidance and help at this time, for grace and assurance. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, did you ever notice how some Christians, when things don't go the way they expect, they become a little disillusioned? That God did not answer maybe their prayer the way they thought, or the way they had prescribed for him. Or that God did not somehow neatly fit into a box that they had planned for him. Worse yet, something happens unexpectedly, unplanned, as the death of someone near or dear, and we're disappointed. We blame God. We move away from God. We question God. We may even be mad at God. All because an event happened, and we thought 
it would not happen that way. Such is the case here. Strangely, we come to this Palm Sunday and we find the world in a similar situation. Things are not going as people thought they would. We didn't think there would be a Palm Sunday like this. But here we are. And it was that way. He came into Jerusalem and they were laying down palms. And then a week later, this same individual that they were calling on, Hosanna, save us now, from the Roman government was being crucified. So as we look at this, we understand that sometimes God operates in a way above our thinking. And that's what these people did not understand. They had in their mind exactly what he was going to do. He was going to cast off the yoke of the Romans. And when he didn't, they became very, very disappointed. Some of the same individuals who cried, Hosanna, save us, and laid down palms in his path a few days later would cry, let him be crucified. So we can become disappointed in circumstances when things don't go our way. Here's Jesus. He was giving them a visual message that they did not want to receive. He did not come with a fanfare. He did not come with a, a beautiful coach or beautiful clothes. He came with very simple clothes, riding on a donkey into Jerusalem. In spite of the cheering crowds, he had no smile on his face. He was solemn with his head bowed. He, he is telling them, I'm not coming to reign as your king. I'm coming to die as your savior. He knows everything that awaits ahead of him. He knows Gethsemane is ahead of him. He knows anguish is ahead of him. He knows the whip is ahead of him. He knows the cross is ahead of him. So this is what they could not see. Now, they wanted not what he was offering, but they wanted a different person. They wanted a savior from the Romans. They wanted deliverance. From the government. But Isaiah 55 8 tells us this My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And if you look in the manner in which he came, it was foretold. Jesus, we accept you as king, but Jesus, we don't want a savior from our sin. Interesting. We want you as king, but not savior. There are a lot of people today that want him as savior, but not Lord. <laughs> but unfortunately, he is Lord of our life, whether we want that to be or not, if we, he is our savior. They truly did not believe who he was. This is borne out. Verse 10, some said, who is this? And in verse 11, they said he's a prophet. Was Jesus a prophet? Well, he was a prophet. He's prophet, priest, and king. But he's more than that. You see, he wasn't just a prophet of God. He was the Messiah, the anointed one from prophecy who would come to pay for sin. He was Jehovah incarnate. God in the flesh. The Son of God. 
They believed he had some power from God, but they did not believe he was the Messiah. He was not the Son of God to them. But Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. And what did he do once he got to Jerusalem? This is where it all starts. The first thing he does is goes to the temple and overturns the money changers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Jesus. You didn't come to correct the Romans. You came to cor- you're correcting us. You know, that's that's the first thing children of God sometimes we think, well God get the government straightened out. How about get us straightened out first? Ooh, we don't like to hear that. And they didn't like it either. How about that? Maybe we should judgment comes first the household of God. He healed the lame and the blind who were considered unclean in the temple. He cursed the fig tree for its lack of fruit. And we see people slowly turning against him. Look in uh, Matthew 22, verses 17, where he says this, Tell us therefore, what think thou, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And Jesus perceived their wickedness, their wicked, and said, Why tempt you? Me, you hypocrites, show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny. Well, actually, it was a denarii. It was translated penny because of our King James ancestors, but a denarii. And he saith unto them, Whose is the image and subscription? Superscription. And they said, Caesar. He said simply, Therefore, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. He scolds them as Pharisees and tells them, obey the government. If Caesar asks for tribute, give Caesar tribute. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God. Hmm. That's not popular in the crowd, is it? So Jesus was condemning them all. He says in Matthew 11, uh, 16, blessed is he who is not offended in me. And then he began to speak to them about John. And he said, when John came, many of you rejected John. And what did you go to see? A man arrayed in beautiful clothes? But Jesus said, no, he was a prophet. A prophet who came was from the wilderness, wearing animal skins and eating locusts and wild honey. Uh, he came differently than they expected. And therefore they rejected John, and now they're rejecting him. (laughs) Finally they did, they rejected him. He was not the king they wanted. And be careful, my friend, when you try to put God in that box and make him what you want him, and he becomes not the God you want. Because my God is way outside the box. He works in miraculous ways. He does his will irregardless of what I think or what I may perceive. And if there's anything I've understood in 45 years of ministry, he is just that way. That's exactly what he does. He works his will, his way, his time, regardless of what we might think. 
So let us remember that. Let us remember that. He was not the king they wanted. He came riding on a donkey. Jesus was not the king they expected. Remember, when Israel had originally chose a king, they chose Saul. He was taller and better looking than anyone they could find. He looked like a king, probably like a James Gardner, Garner type. And he's one of my famous old actors. And I, I knew a guy, a deacon, who served with him in Korea. And he remembers when the, he said James Garner got shot over in Korea. And he said he was with him on a tank crew when that happened. So he, they chose Saul because of who he looked like. And they said, this Jesus, he doesn't look like a king. Why, his clothes are not good. Uh, Isaiah 53, 2 says, he has no beauty that we should desire him. Jesus was probably not good looking. He was a 33-year-old carpenter. And you know, the sun is very intense over there. And they didn't have body lotions. He was probably, his skin was probably rough. He probably had scars from nails and on his, on his arms and hands and who knows what all he had. He was just a rough carpenter. Hardly a king in their book. There were no bells and whistles. There was no entourage, no caravan, no palace, no fine clothes. They began to say in their hearts, King, he insults our leaders, overturns our tables, and says, Pay taxes to Caesar? What kind of king is this? Well, in John chapter 19, we find out what kind of king he is. A rejected king. As Isaiah 53 says, he would be rejected. John 1, he came into his own, his own received him not. He was in the world, the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. And so a week later, Jesus stood before that same crowd, and Pilate said, What shall I do with him? Jesus called the Christ. And they cried out loudly, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And you know what they replied? We have no king but Caesar. <laughs> The hypocrisy knows no bounds. While on one hand condemning Jesus for saying obey Caesar, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, when Jesus is put before them to be crucified, they say, we have no king but Caesar. Amazing. And that tells us something about hypocrisy, doesn't it? It knows no bounds. It is what it is. An arrogant, sinful, total rejection of God and His Son. Look at Matthew 27 with me this morning. Matthew 27 and verse 42. He would, they chose for him to die a criminal's death in humiliation. 
And then they said, well, you know, would God in heaven allow a Jewish king, the son of David, to be crucified? They said, certainly not. Certainly not. God would not allow this. But God did allow that. You see, they thought, surely, if he was the Messiah, if he was who he said he was, surely God would not allow it. You see, they knew God better than God knew himself. (laughs) Not really. They didn't know God at all. Because, again, trying to second-guess God. And it says there, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. If He be the King of Israel, let Him come down from the cross, and we will believe Him. You see? But God's providence. God's providence. God is a God of providence. And I, I love the fact that when they came to that old board that they nailed on the cross that were, was supposed to list his crimes, Pilate couldn't think of any. Herod didn't have any. Nobody could think of anything he had done wrong. So Pilate, I think, by the Holy Spirit of God, by the providence of God, nailed to the cross a sign that read, Jesus, King of the Jews. Not only Jesus, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. He put upon the cross an absolutely true statement. Think about it. The providence and power of God Remember, Jesus had already told him, Pilate, you have no power at all except God give it to you. Amazing. The providence of God. Truth. And Pilate, uh, he's questioned about truth. Look at uh, chapter 27 of Matthew, verse 54. When the centurion, the day that were with him watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, these things done, he, he feared greatly, saying, truly, he was the Son of God. He was truth. He was the Messiah. He was the Savior. He was the King of Kings. He was the Lord of Lords. He was all of it. Did he fit their thinking? No. They blinded themselves to the truth. They could could not see him for who he was. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They had no idea who they were crucifying that day. The Lord means supreme in authority, of glory, worthy of worship and praise. And certainly Jesus is all of those things. His disciples anguished that night. Before Jesus was to be crucified and the day of. But even they, his closest disciples, did not realize God had a plan. Jesus had shared that plan with them numerous times. I go to Jerusalem to be crucified. The Son of Man goes to be turned over in the hands of sinful men and be crucified. He told them, I go there to die. Many times, even at the Last Supper, 
He said, I won't drink this with you, this wine with you again until I, uh, in the, I do it in the kingdom. And he was speaking of his spiritual kingdom after his resurrection. Folks, listen, even they did not realize God had a plan. And maybe sometimes, listen to me, Christians, sometimes we don't realize God has a plan. God even has a plan in the midst of what we are in here in America right now. God is working in a mighty, tremendous way. But if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. Just like those people at Jerusalem, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, they missed it, what God was doing. And I encourage you, as Christians, do not look at this time so negatively. Turn to God. Turn to God in prayer. Get in the Word. Get prayerful. Start doing what you can to help people. This is the time God is going to use this. God has a plan and a purpose for everything under heaven. It says that, doesn't it, in Ecclesiastes? And we need to do that. Never despair. Never give up on God. God has a plan. And don't become frustrated you know, I know we haven't been in church, and that's frustrating to me. Nobody's more frustrated than I am about that. But here it is. Because of men's selfishness and self-serving attitude, they missed it. Don't you miss it. And they crucified the Son of God, and that's their legacy. That's their legacy. Again, let me read it. Which none of the princes of this world knew. Pilate, Herod. Had they known it, they would never. Had they realized who was before them, they would never have crucified him. But I don't know about you, but I'm glad they didn't. Because he died for my sins. And yours. And theirs. If they accepted him. So, that's their legacy. All he wanted to gather, he says, and there in Matthew 27... Verse 37, I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Again, he came to his own, his own received him not. But I'm glad the scripture doesn't end there with the rejection of Christ, because that same scripture in John goes on and tells us in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. Amen? Amen. Even to those who believe on his name. Those who believe on the name of Jesus. You see, we don't have to reject him. We can accept him. He died for our sins on the cross. He gave his life for all mankind. It was God's plan See, this was all the plan of God to save the world. And so the real title of the message I haven't mentioned was God disappointing us but saving the world. And sometimes God will disappoint us, but he's saving the world in the process. And that's what they didn't understand. They were very disappointed especially when they saw the guy they thought was going to be the Savior from the Romans being crucified. But listen, God was saving the world. He was doing a mighty work, a miracle, and they didn't even realize it. God may be in the midst of all that we're going through doing many mighty 
and wonderful things, but we need to get spiritually attuned with Him and focus on Him and get alone with God. I think God is going to do some miraculous things out of this whole thing. One thing, people are thinking about death. They're thinking about how fragile life is on this planet and how quickly it can be taken away. So spiritually, people may be open to the gospel in this country as they've not been in a long time. And I've thought a lot about that. But we can point them to Jesus Christ, the Savior, Lord, of all who believe. And God said, if you say in your heart, I believe in Jesus, I believe he died for my sins, I accept him as my Savior, you're one of those who's received him. You're receiving him. God says he'll come into your heart and make you a new creature, a new creation. Give you abundant life here and now and beyond. What a wonderful thing. And if you're listening to this message, maybe on Facebook or on YouTube, I pray that you will turn to Jesus in faith and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Just like the centurion, I believe you're the Son of God, Savior of the world. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And friend, if you call on him and you're sincere, God says, I'll save you. I'll save you. He'll forgive your sins. And now you'll have the power of God to also fight sin in your life. That's a wonderful thing. It goes on and says, who were not born of the will of flesh, but the Spirit of God, but by the power of God, or by God. And that means to be born again. Those who are foolish, as those people were, reject Him. The Bible calls rejectors of Christ or God fools. Be wise. Be smart. Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And... The Bible says at that point, once we accept him, we're really delivered from the worry of death. We, we, we don't live in the fear of that. I don't live in the fear of that. And God may take me home tomorrow. And it may be not related to a virus. It could be a heart attack or stroke. Who knows? Or the highways. But God takes us home. He takes us home. But I'm not worried about dying. The only thing I have to worry about, God says, is the time between then and, and then. Between now and then. Serving Him and doing for God. And let us all focus on that. Let us not... A uh, special message to the Christian church this year uh, about Palm Sunday. Different than it's ever been. This message, Palm Sunday, is made and tailor-made for this situation. I couldn't believe it as I began to work on this message, how much it applied, probably more applicable than anything I preached in a long time, that we need to be seeking God and an understanding of His plan and purpose and everything. I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to pray. I, we have a lot to pray for. We have a lot of folks that are sick. Uh, I'm not going to mention any one by name. I've sent out emails we have a lot of folks that are sick, 
and a lot of people struggling right now, as well as our church body that's struggling because they've not been able to meet, and they miss the fellowship, and they miss, and even if we were together, we could not fellowship uh, like we would want to. And hopefully these things will pass, and we will be restored back very soon to what we want to be. Let us pray together. Lord, we come in this final moment before the service ends here and ask your forgiveness for when we have, Lord, erred in looking at you and what you need to do. But Lord, you're God. We will not question what you do. But, Lord, we will find the way of acceptance. We will pray and we will seek you and try to find understanding through your word and through prayer. And, Lord, we do pray that if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that has not accepted Christ, that he might do so or she might do so, whether they be boy or girl, adult, whoever, Because Jesus is for everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what race they are, no matter what age they are. Jesus is for everyone. And the gospel is for everyone, for all nations of people. And we pray that if there's anyone listening, they would accept the Son and know they have eternal life. It says in 1 John 5.13, Lord, you've given us the promise that if we believe on Jesus Christ, we can know and be assured of eternal life through him. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name today. We exalt you. We praise you. We lift you up. We, Lord, lift our hearts and voices to you. And thank you. And give thanks and everlasting praise in Jesus' name. Amen.